0: All right, welcome to a new episode of Cali Claptrap, Integral Conversations. Today's guest is Jeremy Johnson. Jeremy, thank you so much for being on the podcast.
1: Good to be here, Matt. Nice to, awesome. nice to catch up. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, definitely. So Jeremy is the author of Seeing Through the World, uh, Gene Gepser and, inter- and Integral Conscience, Consciousness, and also he is president of the Gepser Society. Jeremy, what I'd like to kind of start off with is what, at what age did you write Seeing Through the World? Do you remember?
1: Oh, gosh, uh, I guess 30, 32 now, right? Okay. So it was like 2019.
0: Okay. Yeah. Nice. So for the, for those of you who have not read, read scene Through the World, um, it's a beautiful book, by the way. Um, and I, I consider it an essential piece to any integral library and a, a true t- tour de force. And I was hoping, Jeremy, you could talk just a little bit about how long did it take you to write this, the process, because there's so much in here in in, and so little pages but it's so compacted and and must i just was curious about the process that you took to write this
1: yeah sure um so so it didn't take that long to write i mean it is a short book (laughs) (laughs) um it is a short book so but it's a dense book as you as you're mentioning there's a lot packed in there but uh Mm -hmm. i basically started it oh i don't know um I guess it was it was a 2018 late 2018 since it was published in early 2019. So I would say summer of 2018, I was working on the book and basically it started with, first of all, my my publisher, co-editor, Jen Zart was like, when are you going to write a Gepser book? There just needs to be another Gepser book out there. There's not a lot of material. So like make that your first book. She was very helpful in just sort of nudging me to do it. And basically, I just started to outline it in the months coming up to that summer. Nothing very, nothing very like writing heavy, just sort of like getting a sense of what I wanted to talk about. I was, uh, I think I hosted the first uh, Gepser course. I was doing some, some Gepser online teaching. So it was all fresh, it was all fresh in the mind. And basically, what happened was in the summer, and I always talk about this because it was when I found the book cover. by uh, Nina Bunjavik, that's the artist who did the, the the Gepser picture. I was it was like a late thunderstorm, like a kind of a sunny afternoon sun shower in Florida, a lot of thunder in the background. And I was just like, you know what, I'm going to give the opening chapter a go and just like to see what I wanted to write about and just like completely stream of consciousness right. And what came out was basically that opening chapter uh, Obviously, it was revised and edited a little bit, but that came out all at once. And then that same afternoon, I found the Nina Bunjavik picture. I reached out to her. She's like, you're right, working on a book? Oh, I'd love to collaborate with that. Um, so all of it just sort of started to come together. And then basically from basically August on through January of, of 2019, I was doing revisions and editing. So it was it was a couple of months of intensive writing that was just, it was just my routine, like get up, go to the coffee shop or write at home. And it was kind of restless. Like I would have have like a flow here in in the apartment and then I would go to a coffee shop, then I would go to another coffee shop. So it was just this like kind of wrestling with the book in a very short condensed period of time. But the good thing is I think I didn't really, with a book like that, all all of the topics, all of the associations and connections I had in that book, it was all kind of percolating and, and already sitting inside of me, right? Like uh-huh. outlining Gepser, connecting him to, you know, contemporary relevant issues. Like those are all things in an initiate uh-huh. in sort of like a precursory way that the book does. We're all kind of sitting inside already. They just need yeah. to kind of come out. So in a way right. it was like it was like an exorcism. <laughs> yeah. It was just getting this book out of me. Um yeah. that was ready to be written. So
0: so it, yeah. was birth, it was birthed under thunder and lightning and had a lot of synchronicity. And, and, and that's, that's an amazing story. It was nice, nice to hear that. One of the excerpts I wanted to read because it's probably impossible to cover how you said it was dense, the complexity of Gepser, But I thought this passage was really well and I thought we could kind of start off with this. So um, Gepser, this is from page 172. Gepser offers us a way of thinking about the present that is difficult to disagree with in any of its major points. The structures of consciousness are palpable realities that can be recognized by the careful reader in a concrete way. The Janus-faced interim age between the mental and the integral inform us on our current crisis between technology and the biosphere, capitalism and a future means of distributive and, and immanental Gaian politics. And you go on to say there that, and, and I think that really segues nice between sort of it feels like we're teeter tottering between obviously there's crises going on every time you, you wake up in the morning. And so you kind of feel like there's this pull happening. And so where I think your work is so essential, I think, for, for most people that are just curious about what is going on in the world, how can we define kind of what's happening, you really, ha- you really present a really good explanation as far as how we got here and perhaps where are we trying to go. Uh, and you also mentioned a little bit about um, that homo faber is re- being replaced by homo integer. And I had to look up homo faber and the, the definition I got here that the concept that human beings are able to control their fate and their environment as a result of the use of the t- of tools. And so I was hoping maybe you could just, you know, obviously that's beautifully summarized in itself, but Reflecting on today's age, how do you, with, with the knowledge of Gepser and, and the integral consciousness, how how can you look, as you as you say, see through the world to help us as far as understand what what is going on right now?
1: Yeah, good question, and difficult to summarize as well, right? Yeah. What is going on right now, especially since like even our last couple of growing down podcasts, like so much has happened in current events that it's it's it would take a lot of time to unpack. But uh-huh. I don't think anything that i wrote in that book in 2019 is is necessarily not related or not helpful in terms of like understanding the broad brush strokes of right. you know the crisis that we're in so i would say probably first of all and i agree with Gepser about this that that we're really dealing with a, a form of what they say in our consciousness community <laughs> sense making right. um forms of ontology that like Our relationship with being what is being um how we relate to the world in this very fundamental way is breaking down so our identity our relationship with time our um our construction of our self-perception and community perception all this is breaking down and becoming deeply atomized and Gepser was really talking about that back in 1949. Is like, okay, let's look at these in his, in his phenomenology. Let's look at these structures of consciousness, how they led to this point of atomization and breakdown. And then also kind of look at the latent or incipient new forms of consciousness that maybe are doing something different, whether you see it as the next stage or you see it as something completely kind of coming out of the blue, orthogonal to, to, to what we've been doing. There is this new way of seeing, relating, and being in the world that is latent in human beings and this is something Gepser is really kind of trying to point out through his very careful and meticulous uh study of art and culture and language and contemporary poetry and new science etc when he came up with those integral oriented themes which you and i are familiar with of course Mm -hmm. um but i think fundamentally it has to do with a new relationship with time uh time not as sort of a linear time but a, a sort of a multi-dimensional manifold kind of time it's actually the, the easier metaphor is thinking of time as a. Uh, um you know, we, we kind of have to spatialize it a little bit in order to kind of grasp this but the manifold and the fold i think is a really good example and i don't really talk about that in the book i've been doing that more often lately uh-huh. talking about the concept of the fold to explore multi-dimensionality and time right. But there's this folding and unfolding process, which is processual, which is, you know, this capacity to be um, cognizant, perhaps of more than one dimension simultaneously, Mm -hmm. uh, I think is really important. And this sort of dovetails in with other thinkers like Edgar Morin and complexity science, of course, and planetary thinking that he talks about or Wilbur, right, and sort of the um, flex flow and vision logic. So there's a kind of thinking and being in the world that is coming online. It's just very uh, nascent. It's very Mm -hmm. undeveloped at the moment. Uh, But the idea is to kind of tease out the threads where it is emerging so we can really lean into those. right? And that's the orientation I think with my book is like really identifying where atomization and breakdown is happening and tracing that to a structure of consciousness. And then also Mm -hmm. simultaneously really identifying where this new integral structure is coming online. Um, so you can lean into it and really embolden it and strengthen it and mature it, right? Yeah, and become aware of it. So right. that's sort of the process of the book.
0: Yeah, and and so for our for our listeners here, um, you also said in the book, "Time freedom" is, or maybe it was this this was actually a, a Gebser quote. "Time freedom is the conscious form of the archaic." And another mm-hmm. way I thought I I think of integral, perhaps maybe the easiest way. And tell me if this is too simple: is it, it's sort of a spiritual. Uh, grasping of the whole or, or, and not to define it too much, but overall it's, it's like a spiritual validation that sort of supersedes the mental.
1: Mm-hmm. No, that's a good, that's a good definition. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, a. Uh, I it, I would say this is something I've talked a lot about recently, a felt sense of the whole that like, mm-hmm. it, it's not necessarily, uh, predominantly rational or is isn't, we, we don't achieve it or reach it through a reason or through our logic, but there is this felt sense, a palpable felt sense of the whole that right. we begin to work with more and yeah. through our reason, through our logic, through our art, through just our cultural phenomenology, we're responding to the sense of wholeness mm-hmm. and that, that gets into tricky territory. Cause what do we mean by wholeness? Of course. Right. And then right. Is, right. It, is it, the sum of parts or is it an a kind of a singularity in the sense of it's being irreducible and it's inexhaustible. And I tend to lean towards the latter, right? That mm-hmm. The concepts don't really ever grasp it, but yeah, it goes into spiritual territory. And I don't, I don't think yeah. that's really avoidable, you know? Right. So
0: Yeah. And in the end, you kind of talked about Gepser's own, or at least how Suzuki described it, his Satori moment, but it is sort of an awakening that you know, the, the mental has been exhausted, and and this is, we've gotten to as much as we can from this structure, and sort of, and what's next, right, and one of the, one of the other excerpts I really wanted to talk to you about, because you are involved with sort of what's considered leftist politics, but something maybe I was unaware of, at least when I, until I reread your book, was about, a little bit about how Gebser kind of talks about the left, and so I wanted to Uh, Discuss this excerpt here. So, just as the machine, and and they're talking about um, the steam machine, right? Watts, I believe, um, was a man, or maybe machine in general, was emancipated from its maker. The left awakened into Western consciousness through the French Revolution, which first began in 1789, not long after the invention of the steam engine. Gebser connects these two historical events as expressing the same mutational quality. The left, as we mentioned, has hitherto in Western culture been the subject of repression and denial by the very prejudice of the mental's wakeful consciousness. The resurgence of everything that has been regarded as left, whether they are repressed individuals and cultures, women in patriarchy, human beings in the biosphere, in industrial capitalism, or even in especially altered states of consciousness, all comes roaring back in an un- uncontrolled intensity, demanding our attention. And then goes on to say that the left, for the left, it is the individual standing in for the whole that seeks their freedom. And he sort mm-hmm. of talked about this emancipatory quality of the, you can almost see through this passage too, that the, those whose voices have been silenced, who, whose power have been repressed can be silenced and repressed no more. And you feel sort of that push coming through. Mm-hmm. And I think right now what you see with so many uprisings, whether that be on the left or the right, is this push that's sort of happening. And, and so being involved with leftist politics, and, and you've been involved with the late uh, Michael Brooks on his, on his show, and I was curious on how you tie in sort of both sort of, and he was a big advocate for, for integral and somehow getting integral more entwined with the left. I, I was hoping you could talk a little bit about w- when you read this. Is, is that more you know, and, and your involvement with leftist politics? Is, is that is that come from Gepser, or do you think it just comes from simultaneous sort of being involved with leftist politics, but also being interested in Gepser?
1: Yeah, good question. Uh, for me, I think I, before I was reading Gepser, I was I was interested in the left and leftist politics. Uh-huh. Um, so. I, that's definitely partly my own disposition, but in reading Gebser as a leftist, I think things get very interesting because he himself is very often talking about, it's not about the left or the right. He's not really about the center either. He's saying, you know, this this transcends any kind of polarity, which is interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, while also acknowledging like the eruption of the left as as a kind of a political force or, or um, uh, a, a kind of a cultural tradition now, since it's been around for a few hundred years, 200 or so uh-huh. years, like it's, it's also this yearning for integration. It's this eruption of something that needs to be reintegrated. And throughout EPO, you know, Gepser's talking about the supersession of patriarchy being one of the qualities of the, of integral consciousness, right? So he is talking about, things that the left is talking about and what he might be doing. And, you know, he wasn't leaning into political discourse too much, but, um, but what he is doing is sort of leaving room, I think for the left to begin to explore, okay, what does freedom mean in this context? Like without, uh, without patriarchy or matriarchy, right? Cause that's what he's talking about in terms of, you know, when we supersede patriarchy, we don't want to just swing into matriarchy. We uh-huh. want to find some other being a way of being whole, being human and, you know, I, I think for the most part, beyond the kind of partisanship or, you know, particular uh, dogmatism of a, of a particular political ideology, even ones that are meant to be liberating, like, I don't know, if you're a dogmatic communist or a dogmatic anarchist or something along those lines, I don't think you would advocate for that. But traditionally, or generally, I could say the left stands in for this sense of freedom, right? Integrating wholeness, Uh, something has been repressed or disintegrated. And so there's some kind of integrative and remedial process that needs to take place in society. So that's how I kind of bring them together. But I Mm -hmm. think, you know, the other interesting element, which was, it's still prefigurative. Um, but it's something that Michael Brooks is very interested in because he kind of was raised reading Wilbur, and he was very interested in Wilbur's complexity thinking. And he read Thompson. He started to read Gepser when we were talking, um, and I think, and I'm not, you know, putting words in his mouth exactly, but I think he was really interested in creating a situation where leftist organizers were reading integral theory. And learning how to become complex thinkers, right, so that they didn't become entrenched in a particular, particular ideological position, so that they could really kind of account for all the different dimensions and variables that need to be accounted for, right? right, in terms of, if we're looking to transform society, then we really need an integral approach, because we need to look at all of the different dimensions, like the subjective, the intersubjective, the objective, right, the economic, the spiritual, you know, Mm -hmm. all of it has to be held. So I think that's that's sort of where and this is what I agree with in terms of the project on the left, it would be great for the left to take up an integral oriented style of thinking, right, Mm -hmm. education, thinking, training, to just help, you know, assess the situation better, right? Because if we're only looking at the economic or the material, um, and, and almost downplaying the necessity of understanding the spiritual, that's a big problem, right? And obviously right. Gepser's vision of integrality is one that is both deeply material and embodied and then also uh capable of 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 rendering present the immaterial, the spiritual. Mm-hmm. So I think Wilbur and Gebser in that sense are very similar because they're both advocating for the wholeness of of being. Right. Um
0: yeah. And for, the, for our listeners who don't know, EPO is Ever-Present Origin. That's sort of uh,
1: Gepser's main, main book.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the things that sort of that's a great summary to sort of lead me into the next question, because one of my attempts to sort of be involved with the integral community was to try to understand in present sort of are these different parties talking to each other? You know, what what authors are out there that I'm unaware of? And you've done a great job of sort of, I mean, just through your book of sort of sharing, it's really up to date, who you think is relevant to to what's significant in today's age. But something I keep going back to, and it almost seems like something, a conflict a little bit in the integral community and, and Wilbur is, you know, this idea of the participatory cosmos. And so, you know, one of the things I know I was taught sort of growing up was never go to a party and discuss politics and religion, but now (laughs) in today's age, that's sort of our most interesting topics, right? So, uh, you know, you have sort of the eco-social political meets the spiritual, right? And so I was hoping maybe you can give a little bit about how you understand the participatory cosmos and why it's relevant to an integral community.
1: Sure. Yeah. Good. Big topic. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I really, and I mentioned this in the book in in just a footnote, but, uh, I'd love to unpack it further at some point, but Jorge Ferrer's work, uh, Uh on on participatory spirituality, I think is really important And it's specific to the transpersonal field in terms of transpersonal studies. But I think it's, it's relevance, the, 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 methodology he developed is really kind of relevant to integral theory as a whole, because he's really taking, um, uh, many many uh, kind of concepts uh just in terms of what it means to be participatory i think is very very contemporary and very a-perspectival in the way gebser talks about because there's a, there's a sense in which our our agency is involved in our perception that's in they're intimate with each other and that m- might be present in wilbur to some degree um, mm-hmm. or to a large degree of course but uh the way he describes mm-hmm uh religion or the religious experience as a kind of a uh like an endless shore of the ocean uh-huh. and the land kind of meeting, right? There's no kind of finitude in it. That kind of mediational participatory space between our culture and the world or our culture and the transcendent is really, I think, where fair gets it really well. And I think that's also a sense, you know, fair is articulating an element of gepser's integral spirituality that gepser just hints at in ever-present origin and elsewhere so we can talk about it in that sense i think another element of the participatory cosmos is is at the foundation of gepser's work um uh, the, the too long didn't read, right? is like he talks about ever-present origin. Origin is this sort of originary consciousness. But for Gepps, we're, we're always participating in origin, and origin's always participating in us, right? So the, the structures of consciousness are something, or are, are aspects of us that we are co-making with origin, right? Our individuality is something we're co-making with origin. So we're always in this participatory creative process with the whole. And so right. I think- part of what it means to be homo integer is this capacity to consciously be working almost like an artist in that sense of working with the whole, always understanding and recognizing that participation in transparency, right? We're transparent to our participation in origin and its participation in us or the spiritual in us. Mm-hmm. So again, yes, yeah, a very beautiful participatory vision. Um, and in that sense, you know, you could extend it. You ta- you mentioned cosmology, you know, we could extend it to like, um, um, I forget the the author's name who came up with the cosmo the uh cosmo in the sense of like the whole cosmos is participatory and creative. I mean, uh-huh. we could extend it to evolution and life and agency and consciousness, you know, we, we could really push yeah. it into an entire cosmological vision of spiritual participation and creativity. And uh-huh. I tend to, I mean, and that's sort of like if we, if we move into the cosmological, I would certainly say, you know, seeing the cosmos as an evolutionary, creative, and participatory process is definitely how I see it. And I think, you know, to, to a great degree is, is how Gepser saw it. Um, but he he kind of pointed the way to to looking at Sri Aurobindo for that and oh. to looking at Tehard. Desjardins for that as well, because he looked Mm -hmm. looked at them as sort of co-conspirators of this integral consciousness and articulating it in their own way. And I would say Teilhard is much more really kind of trying to unpack the cosmological. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I know. Yeah. Something that I I know I'm reading, I've read, I've just gotten done with a couple of Ferrer books, but also it seemed in there, Richard Tarnas seems to be a big originator of this sort of idea of this participatory cosmos. And I haven't read, I think it's cosmos and psyche yet, but, um, I am looking forward yeah. to kind of, again, this, what's so interesting about these, these authors that you write is that we're all seeing, they all seem to be connected and including you in this is connecting to this idea that really seems to be on the edge of humanity and, and where we're going. And so one of my questions was, um, how can we aid in this transition to a homo integer?
1: Yeah. Great question. There are so many ways to respond to that question right now, right? <laughs> like, like basic material level. This is what I've been interested in, uh, with with uh, my Patreon community and and some of the folks in the interval community. Is like, okay, how do we make this regenerative turn, right? Because if this transformation is going to occur. I think those of us in the integral community are very good at exploring interior states and states of consciousness and practices of like the we space and that kind of stuff when i have no problem with any of that i think Uh we just we just need a way for this to translate into our material historical process Uh right so that means Looking at if you're not going to be a theorist about it, then looking at ways you can get involved and in practice, you know, some form of participatory culture, economics, commons, you know, there's common okay. studies and peer to peer studies that are going on about how to get involved in like local cooperatives or um, local food commons. I think this is the d- direction that our world is, is is turning towards just after centuries of, you know, extractive economics, and now this climate crisis. So at a very material level, I think the regenerative and the local and emphasizing those practices, rediscovering community, um, these are going to be really, really important for the coming generations. And they, it starts with us. So I think in that little way, in that little material way, we can get involved, but maybe in like a personal way, this is probably true for most spiritual traditions on paper, but I think Gepser often talked about how, you know, becoming integral or learning to be integral is in a certain sense, overcoming your ego. And that's easier said than done. But I think becoming aware of your, yourself and the kind of the contours of yourself and your own shadow is, is important. And the integral folks are very interested in doing that too. Right. Right. So there's, that's the kind of the personal practice, which is a spiritual practice of overcoming yourself. Um, and then another element, which is sort of the Gapsarian, leaning in uh might be this is this is this is something that i've been advocating with my students really emphasizing uh bringing these earlier structures of consciousness either online or recognizing how they're already kind of playing a part in our day-to-day living so there's many different ways to kind of do that but you know obviously in a short podcast we can't unpack all the different structures of consciousness but the archaic the magic the mythic really Mm -hmm. seeing how we live those day to day um, mm-hmm. in the, the kind of minutiae and just seeing how you know we don't need to practice that fluidity because we're already fluidly moving between them and but then when we start to practice it and really kind of okay what is the magic what is the mythic how am I employing the mental we they become concretized and I talk about that in the book how really concretizing these structures and fluidly being able to kind of observe them as they are interrelated as one whole and a daily practice. I mean that mm-hmm. that's really a way to if we're going to actively do something at a psycho spiritual level, that's really a way uh, to I think to intensify these structures to really bring forward that inter- integrality, that innate yeah. integrality. Um easier said than done but that's where it gets fun and i think you know in in terms of a psycho spiritual practice it it gets kind of interesting like you mentioned tarnus in the participatory Mm -hmm. cosmos like he's talking a lot about that mythical sense of the archetypal cosmos which by its definition involves every single person because of their particular birth chart right their astrological birth chart and their natal positioning and then what's going on in the cosmos with these archetypes that are influencing us as individuals so we're always involved in that sense right we're always participating in that sense and that's really good to find a way to 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 not accept it exactly as sort of a suspension of disbelief but really kind of get into it in a way that like it becomes alive for us. And Tarnus might not be it. Uh, a psych- right. uh, astrology may not be it, but myths and myth-making, there's so many ways to kind of bring that online and bring and make it active again. So mm-hmm. there's yeah, a well, path there's, in all this. Yeah.
0: Right. Definitely. And that, that's kind of where I'm trying to, to sniff out where that is. Yeah. And, and something that I really got from EPO was, You know, the movement from this exclusive validity of the mental to the exclusive validity of the integral, and and it's impossible to not talk about the spiritual and the sacredness. And and right now, you kind of see in this world sort of, in addition to extracting material, you almost see the extraction of the sacred. You you almost Mm -hmm. lose, I mean, just with the most recent capital uprising is where's the sacredness of this building and and everything that was disrupted with what, what was allowed to happen. And I, and I know in the past podcast we've done, you've described yourself as a, a Taoist anarchist. And I think that really greatly kind of maybe summarizes a little bit about your own spiritual beliefs, along with, with your political beliefs. But I was hoping, you know, maybe to, uh, you say it at the end of this book, um, to let, it, let us make it then a spiritual present. And so I was hoping you could talk a little bit about how your spiritual and political philosophy Um, how you arrived at it and how, and how that sort of maybe uh, orients you in in your own daily living practices.
1: Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, so Taoist anarchist is uh, what I summed it up. There's a, there's a last chapter of William Irwin Thompson's coming into being. Uh, I think it's called the road not taken where he articulates Mm. a, a, a Taoist planetary civilization. And I, I, I uh, recommend folks check that out because I think I pretty much uh, ascribe to it. But, you know, just looking at the themes and the qualities of the integral structure, the way Gepser articulates them, they almost seem like they're coming out of a Taoist text. There's a oh. sense of um, a good blend of, of a directive action of ego and egolessness, of a passivity in the sense of allowing things to kind of occur on their own, right? So that's a kind of Taoist and also somewhat anarchist leaning in the sense of not needing to impose too much of that hierarchical Euclidean structure, right? That the oh. world is auto poetic in that sense and that human beings uh, can, given the right conditions really kind of flourish without too much of, I'm not against the state, and obviously I'm, I'm a socialist, <laughs> right? But I, in in my utopian, there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> in my utopian aspirations, uh, I'm a Taoist anarchist in the sense of letting alone. Um, there's a beautiful phrase or, or turn of like, opening uh, page or two of uh, of uh, Ursula K. Le Guin's. It's not the Dispossessed, which I know is about an anarchist society, and it's great, but um, it's from the lathe of Heaven where she's describing a very autopoetic process of jellyfish, right? That they yeah. basically, without needing to be able to move too much, they're able, they've, they've survived for billions of years and the oceans kind of carry them where they need to go. There's this kind of primordial trust in the cosmos yes. that I think the anarchist Taoist sort of leans on. And I I, I guess I would feel the same way, Um but I've always had that radical streak. I mean, Kim Stanley Robinson has been a big influence for me with his sci fi writing about uh, politics and anarchy and the Mars trilogy. Uh, um, and his most recent book, I think uh, it's on my reading list for for the Patreon this year. Um, he's also a democratic socialist, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and so was Le Guin. Well, Le Guin was uh, an anarchist, um, yeah. very kind of radical. Uh, so, you know, I, I think a lot of these politics. Try to imagine society differently. They go, "What do we really need to live under capitalism? Are there different ways to relate to structure, power, and control, which are mm-hmm. more free?" Um, and just as an inquiry, I think that's that's a good north star, or that's a good orientation yeah. to have. You know. Right. Um, even if I don't believe, you know, we're gonna abolish the state next year or something. Yeah, like, which I don't. Well, I
0: think but. there's maybe a post-conventional
1: anarchism that can exist because
0: uh, I think it's maybe important, at least for myself, that to not promote just kind of going into the capital and, and donning your furs and, and going ape shit. There, there's probably a better approach. To- to making change in the world. But I it does bring up a great section in your book where you sort of juxtaposes the primal fear and primal trust. And I think that's really important. And, and I'm I'm happy you brought that up because it really connected something to me in you know, really trusting maybe the origin that we, there is something moving us like the jellyfish, you know, toward this direction. And I know in times, at least when you're in the, maybe the dark, dark nights, it's nice to kind of find that and trust in that and understand that, you know, this too will pass and eventually you'll get there. Something I'd like to just kind of wrap this up with Jeremy. I know you're working on a new book and I was hoping you could share a little bit about maybe tease. What, what can we expect from this book, and and maybe not to put too much pressure on you and your editor, but when we might be able to expect
1: it. Sure. Um, so I, I'm I'm aiming for realistically for the fall of this year, uh, and the book is called, as far as as far as I know at the moment, uh, maybe subject to revisions, but at the moment is called "Fragments of an Integral Futurism." Oh. And I would say, like, I'll tell you because I'm still in the formative process and it's kind of at that point where my last book was where Mm -hmm. I've really done like fragments of writing now and I've done outlining and I've done the research and I've just been so busy with all the other projects that are going on in my life um editorially that that I haven't had time to just sit down and let it take over my life and that's probably coming soon Mm -hmm. um but it's partly inspired by um, a few books, uh, obviously William Maroon Thompson is always an inspiration. So coming into being is is sort of what it's partly inspired by another book or two books really by Wilbur, Atman Project and Up From Eden, which are still some of my favorites of his. Uh-huh. And I think they really, they really kind of give the reader a sense of uh, the, the, the history of consciousness, right? He spends a lot of time kind of taking us through uh, you know the origins of consciousness in his stage model, and and, and that's sort of what I'm doing with this book. Another uh-huh. one final uh, or two final other books that are inspirations for it are Hillman's revisioning psychology, uh-huh. and and uh, Ferrer's uh, uh, revisioning transpersonal uh, yeah. psychology because it's it's a revision or it's a look back at integral. the the history of consciousness from a Gipsarian lens with contemporary research and scholarship Mm yeah and then it's also flipping like that's the first part of the book it's like let's really look at the history of the Paleolithic and how all of the different structures are actually already kind of at play in the same way we talked about or hinted at earlier you mentioned this the archaic and the integral kind of being intimate just really looking at that as our origins to give a kind of a model of what we might be able to recreate in the present or in the future, right? So mm-hmm. the plasticity of the human being and human consciousness being able to move from one way of organizing society into another very yeah. dynamically, sometimes within single lifetimes, as we know now in, in the uh, from recent anthropology about the Paleolithic, there would be really interesting wild swings from, you know, deeply hierarchical, Uh, small bands of families that would all congregate into like essentially a burning man for a season, and then come completely non-hierarchical or performatively hierarchical and then dissolve it and move to another state. And that fluidity and flexibility is a lot of what Gebser talks about with the integral structure, but I think it's also what, what we did in the archaic, all of the different structures are at play and sort of, it's sort of painting the history of consciousness as one in which that, fluidity and plasticity becomes sort of narrow and rigidified as we move into the, into more contemporary times. Um, but it also leaves us with this, uh, I guess a promise or a potentiality for rekindling and rediscovering that plasticity for the future. So yeah, so again, it's sort of like a revisioning the history of consciousness is looking at some of the old models like Wilbur, et cetera, and really bringing in more of this Gapsarian lens of plasticity. And then I think the subtitle of the book is probably going to be reclaiming essays on reclaiming time.
0: Mm. So a lot
1: of the book will be exploring the latter half of the book will be exploring kind of time and late capitalism and then integral time and how it's showing up and how it's sort of helping us reclaim this plasticity again. Um, this right. intensive of consciousness again so it's going to be it already has been fun writing bits and pieces of it um but it's definitely kind of me trying to step into my own writing now uh with Gepser, of course as sort of a right. foundational uh foundational thinker but, yeah uh, yeah yeah so that's, uh, that's sort of the book in a nutshell
0: Yeah, well, wonderful also section from your book. I'm not sure if you came up with it, but you talked about literary integrality and you you say, can it work? And this is referring to EPO, can it work about the integral structure also be an integral expression? I would say, absolutely. I think your work qualifies. I think just speaking with you qualifies. When you talk about intensified clarity and presence coming forth, I think when talking with you, you know, you can get that in addition to your writing, but also just speaking with you. And what makes you, I think, so unique and so influential in, in my own friendship with you and just um you know academically is you're so accessible and and hopefully um if you can just right now just w- where can people find you and and the classes that you provide
1: awesome thanks Matt. really really appreciate that uh yeah yeah so so people can find me on patreon uh, i think it's just patreon.com slash Jeremy Johnson, or maybe it's Jeremy Daniel Johnson. You'll have to check. If it's my face, it's me. I'll find the link. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Twitter is JDJ underscore rights. And I have two courses coming up. Um, If you're a German speaker, I'm doing this interesting kind of mini seminar series, which is called Seeing Through the World um, with the Integral Germany Forum. And that should be fun. And I don't know what it's going to really look like because I've created an outline for them, but I'm like, I'm just going to show up and talk. And answer questions so i i created
0: yeah, german though
1: <laughs> yeah uh there will be there will be a translator and a facilitator who's going to help me out and field the questions right. so that's interesting i'm well, uh, really looking forward to that this next month and also next month is the english oriented uh seeing through the world course which is a much longer in-depth one pre-recorded modules people read through ever present origin and uh basically we come on on zoom every every other week or so and talk about it. And it's like kind of a glorified study group, but it'll have some of the handrails for like, you know, I'll I'll have like a read through of each of the assigned chapters. So like we get into the reads there, but that's always really fun. We have a great cohort. You've been to some of the, some of the sessions. So um, really great group. Yeah.
0: Jeremy, thank you so much uh, for being on the podcast. And I know I speak for many people. We look forward to your new book Uh, again. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks Matt. It's great to talk.
0: Awesome.